You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In the name of Jesus, amen. Christmas Day is come and gone. And the presents that once sat uh, sitting under the tree, who were gently placed there with care, have been torn open. Wrapping paper has been strewn everywhere, and if you're lucky, it's been cleaned up by now. And now you're left with a bit of a problem. You have to figure out, what are you going to do with all of these new gifts? Now, for some of these gifts, it's not that big of a deal. Like a shirt or a tie, you know how to use that. But now and, the, now and again, you open up a present, and it's a gift that you're not really sure what to do with. Now, has this ever happened to you? Where you tear open the, the, the wrapping, and you look at it, and you say to yourself, now, what am I supposed to do with this, and what is it for? And it's usually, it looks pretty nice. It comes in a uh, pretty shiny box, and you know it costs a lot of money. Then you open it up and look at the owner's manual. It's about an inch thick. <laughs> and then you start coming up with a plan to misplace the gift. (laughs) You would rather just forget about it. Sadly, this is sort of the problem that a lot of people have with Jesus around Christmas time. They've come to the Christmas services and they hear that God desires to send them this little baby in a manger who is called Christ, Savior, and Lord. But they don't want to stick around long enough to see what what the baby actually has to say about himself. They don't really care to know what it means for Jesus to be a Christ, Savior, and Lord. They'd rather the baby stay in the manger and keep quietly to himself. But dear saints, this is a demonic attack. Satan tempts people to put Jesus back into the proverbial closet and to forget about him until Christmas time rolls around next year. But instead of having a seasonal Jesus who looks pretty just for a little while, let's stay with Jesus. Let's see what happens, even in this very first part of his life. And let us discover together what kind of Jesus that we have. And this morning we're going to be learning Three things about the kind of Jesus that we have received this Christmas. First of all, that he is a human being that fulfills the promised glory that would come into God's temple. Second, that he is a sign that is spoken against. And third, that he is a savior who redeems captives from their guilt and sin. Now, Mary and Joseph didn't have the luxury of Uh, spending time with Jesus for a day and putting him away for a while. (laughs) Uh, Newborns require quite a lot of work, or so I've heard. (laughs) As pious Jewish parents, Mary and Joseph desired to bring their child up according to the Lord's instructions. And from Leviticus chapter 12, they knew that certain sacrifices were required at the end of the mother's days of purification. And this would have uh, uh, placed this uh, time at about 40 days after Jesus' birth. And that's why they were at the temple that day. 
Now, this isn't as mundane as it might seem, because through the simple act of obedience to God's law, the Lord himself was working to bring about in human history what had been promised to his people through the mouth of his prophets. And we see this especially through our Old Testament lesson today. Because the Old Testament lesson is all about the temple. And it's all about Jesus. To the returning exiles, Haggai gave instructions to rebuild the temple in 536 B.C. He gave instructions to rebuild a temple that had been torn down 50 years earlier. And then the Lord of hosts, the same Lord of hosts, who was sung of by his angels on that Christmas Eve, promised through the mouth of the prophet, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, and this place I will give peace. Now, when the very first temple was finished, the Lord manifested his presence there in that place with fire, consuming fire. That's what happened once Solomon ended his prayer of dedication. But with the second temple, it didn't quite happen that way. And then even when Herod decided that he was going to improve upon the temple and start construction again about 20 years before Jesus was born, the glory of the Lord didn't manifest itself with fire. But nevertheless, the the faithful remnant, the people of God, waited patiently for the Lord to keep his promise. And that's how we find Simeon and Anna from the gospel lesson today. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he even had a special promise from the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Christ. Anna also was praying and fasting in anticipation of the glory of the Lord. Suddenly and quietly, Mary and Joseph ascended the temple steps with a baby in their arms. And in that moment, the promise was fulfilled. This time, the Lord's glory wasn't shown with fire, but with a peaceful visitation of human flesh. And this is the greater glory of the Lord. It is God's Son who comes wrapped in our own humanity. This is the kind of Jesus that we have. We have a Lord who remembers His promises and visits His people in peace. Even if the old temple has been torn down as it is today, Jesus continues to fulfill this promise for you. Jesus' own body has fulfilled the purpose of the old temple, to locate God's presence among his people. And even if Jesus' own body would succumb to death, it would not be destroyed, but raised in immortality, to grant God's gracious presence to his faithful people as he sits at the Father's right hand. Now, I think that Simeon knew something about this. I think he knew something about the Lord being present with his people, not in some sort of outwardly majestic way that Herod was trying to accomplish with his improvements upon the temple. But he knew that the Lord would manifest himself in such a way that it would be a stumbling block, that it would be a scandal or a sign that is opposed. That's what he told Mary and Joseph. 
And what is he talking about? He had just finished giving glory to God for seeing with his own eyes the salvation prepared in the presence of all people. But now it seems like he's saying that not everyone will receive this Jesus with the same happiness and gladness and joy that he had just done. Instead, he said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And you, dear saints, know what he's talking about. He's speaking of what Jesus later in Luke's gospel would call the sign of Jonah. And it's not the sign that's easily accepted by people. People want, they want to see their glory. They want to be able to touch it. They want earthly structures and mighty armies. And then Jesus, you know, he himself saw this when the crowds were coming to him, to hear him and to receive healing from him. And he said to them, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The sign of Jonah, dear saints, is the sign of death and resurrection, of life ending only to be brought up again from the grave for the purpose of preaching repentance and forgiveness. Both Simeon and Jesus are saying that the people will oppose the sign of the cross, of a Christ who suffers and dies for the sins of the people and then grants the fruits of this death by means of preaching. The proclamation of Christ crucified has indeed become a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And the thoughts from many hearts are revealed in how this Jesus extended upon the cross is received or despised. By nature, each of us recoils from this sign. Because we want a God who is strong, not one who is weak. We want a Savior who destroys his enemies, not one who speaks from his agony. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. We want a God who honors our great accomplishments. Not a God who says that our greatest works are nothing but vanity and pride. The last thing that we want to hear is a continual and repeated call to repentance. But this is the Savior that we have in Jesus. We have a God who humbles himself to the scandal of the cross to atone for the world's sin. We have a God who reveals his glory through the stumbling block of tearing down his son's own body to rebuild it in three days so that his enemies, yes, his enemies, might be set free from their captivity. And I think that Simeon also knew well this captivity. He knew that we are by nature trapped by our rebellious wills that have sought to become equals with God rather than fearing, loving, and trusting in Him. And at the very beginning of the Nunc Dimittis, these words describe this sort of captivity. God is described as a despot. Someone who is 
swift to condemn anyone who fails to keep his commandments. But now, through this baby, resting resting in, in Mary's arms, Simeon knew and confessed that his God had visited him in peace for the purpose of salvation. He had come to set a captive like himself free from his sin. Anna must have heard this when Simeon confessed this, concerning this child right now in Mary's arms. Because she had to go out and tell everybody that the redemption of Israel has finally come. She told the people that their ransom has finally drawn near, that would purchase them their freedom from sin and guilt, that would rescue them from the anger and condemnation of God. Jesus has revealed this as a light of revelation. For all of you who have been brought low by your sins, who know by God's law that you have become trapped in bondage to despise what God honors, the preaching of Jesus cuts through the shackles to free you from unbelief and shame. The same Holy Spirit who opens Simeon's eyes to see his Savior now opens your eyes to gaze upon your God who comes upon this earth in human flesh to display his glory in suffering and death so that, like Anna and Simeon, you can cling to him in faith. And this is the kind of Jesus that you have received this Christmas, dear saints. You have received a Jesus who rescues you from your captivity to unbelief, who raises you up to the favor of God the Father by shedding his holy and precious blood. He redeems you through his preaching and teaching, even from this very pulpit and altar. He comes to buy back your lives from death and from the power of the devil. And not only does he rise you up from unbelief, he raises you also from the grave. And that's why the sign of Jonah remains our greatest comfort. It's because we cling in faith to a living Savior and Christ and Lord. And so when you're troubled this Christmas season, when you're troubled by Satan to ignore Jesus or to forget what kind of Jesus that you have, Remember that Jesus himself comes to you to explain to you what he is doing. As he preached to his own parents through the mouths of Anna and Simeon. Jesus will not leave you. He wants to continually reveal himself to you as a light of revelation for your salvation. And so just like Simeon, Anna, Mary and Joseph... You cling to your God in the flesh through faith. You sing the Nunc Dimittis with confidence as someone who holds Jesus in the flesh with your very hands. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.